I know that you're always by my side, segues beautifully into what I want to say this morning. A little moment, just uh, still basking in the wonder of Tegan and George's words to us this morning. Teagues, I've got, uh, I've got some work for you to do at the end of the service today. I, I can, not after the service, during the service. Okay, so good. Um, how are we doing today? Yes. Everyone cool? Yeah. Good. If you're visiting, I'm Pastor Bruce, and uh, Julie and I have been leading this church since we started in 1995, and uh, we still love it. Still love each other. That's a good thing, right? Bruce and Deb Nankervis are back home. Nice to see you guys. Came back to a nice, warm, sunny spring day in Adelaide Hills. I can see that. You guys good? So nice to see you both. Looking like you're flourishing in that gallivanting. Looking forward to those days. Anyone else looking forward to the gallivanting days? Just give me a little... Long way off. Okay. Yeah, I've got work to do in the church to plant by the sounds of it. You know, as uh, I've just uh, participated in the rest of the meeting this morning, couldn't help but think of the lyrics of the song written by, I think it was Isaac Newton. John Newton, in it. Close. Related. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. So the language of being saved and lost is part of the narrative of the gospel. And people have understood it. Maybe we haven't explained it well. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Jesus doesn't want us to remain disconnected from him which is essentially what being lost is about. It's not about like, you don't know what you're doing, you don't know anything about anything. It's like separated from God. This morning, I'm going to bring a message to you about resilience. Part of that is about being connected to God. So I just want to pray before you sit down. And I know today's message will bless you. If you're a parent here this morning, this message is crafted in the backdrop of the month's theme on families. One of the most disturbing things that some of the teachers and chaplains that I engage with around the place that's occurring within particularly young people in schools, primary schools, is the lack of emotional resilience. And I've got to tell you, parents, we've got to really work on building emotionally resilient kids, and it can be done. The only problem is that a lot of people wanted to do it without the key ingredient, and his name's God. That's where it's at. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, today I pray that as we come around this word, we would find ourselves being blessed into a whole new way of thinking about what we're doing and why we're doing it. Open our ears, open our hearts, soften us, Lord, in any area where we're resistant to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Lord, let us see not only our own kids, but the kids that we have a voice into as adults, whether it's an uncle, an aunt, a grandparent, as a teacher, as a guide, as a carer, as a guardian, Lord, that we would just bring the next generations on into an incredible place of strength and courage, resilience in Jesus' name. Amen.
tap your neighbour and say, this is going to be good and have a seat. Thanks, guys. You may sit down as well. Fantastic. So one of the things that kind of rattled in my heart as I looked at this message today and thought about it was a bit of a concern, I guess, built out of the fact that as we increasingly become involved in a social media-driven world, seems to me one of the downsides of that, and there's an upside to social media, it's great, it's a great way of connecting, a great way of finding out things that are going on, it's a great way to remain um, informed about what your friends or acquaintances or people who think they're friends, anyone who got any friends requests this week from people with a total randoms, you've got no idea who they are, but what do you do with them? You delete them? You delete them? That's the friends you can get when you haven't got any friends. You can have just a random friend request. Anyway, I digress. One of the things that I think is being revealed with time for those that are studying such matters as the impact of something like that technology is um, social media is creating a worldview, amongst other things, that is not really equipping anybody how to handle stress how to handle anxiety, how to handle challenges, how to handle failure, how to handle unexpected change. It's kind of a, it's a glorified snapshot. And we put up, and for those of us that use Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat or some of the other things that I don't know because I'm too old, it's like we get um, just glimpses of life sort of flashed on a screen and we go, oh yeah, wow, look at that. It's like, ooh, like that. I've talked with some colleagues that have experienced burnout and um, severe uh, depression and anxiety in their roles as pastors across this nation and other parts of the world. And one of the ingredients that helped them tread down the road to oblivion was the, the folly of comparison, comparing what was happening in their church and their life and their marriage, their kids, to other people who kept on putting the best of the best up and they're going, oh, I'm not the best of the best. And there's this ongoing cascading sense of problem for me because I'm comparing myself to someone else. Let me tell you, the book of Proverbs, written 3,000 years ago, was talking to this generation about this issue. 3,000 years ago. Another 1,000 years if we're all still here, not me personally, but human beings are still here in a 1,000 years' time. The book of Proverbs will have been written 4,000 years ago and we're still speaking to the current generation. Yes. It's the Word of God. It's got in phenomenal insight. It's got a capacity to lift you and me out of the miry clay, setting us on solid ground, as the psalmist uh, we heard this morning. God's Word is a redeeming Word. God's Word is a transformational Word. God's Word is a Word that can fix us up wherever we find ourselves this morning. He can make us resilient. Resilience is an interesting word, and in fact, there's a a government website, would you believe, that's been uh, constructed because of the crisis of resilience in our nation. The crisis of suicide, the crisis of anxiety and depression, mental health issues in Australia is a big deal. And there's a website called healthdirect.gov.au and it's got a forward slash resilience. It's like, it's an issue. Say issue. issue. If it's an issue, God's got an answer. Yes. Let me say it again. If it's an issue, and it is, God has got an answer. A godless answer is not an answer. A godless answer is a suggestion. This might work. That might work. I've got to tell you, God doesn't might work. God does work. God doesn't kind of maybe, if it's, a, it's like God fixes things. 
God makes things whole. God is a good God, right? So I've got two main thoughts here this morning that I want to just, they'll be mixed into what I'm saying. Number one, being resilient and strong by ourselves and within ourselves is not the same as being resilient and strong within because of our connection to God or with God, his wisdom and his family. Let me read a definition of resilience from this website. Resilience is my ability to cope with tough times, listen to this, by applying inner strength and engaging support networks. Guess what? That's the house of God for us. We're not going to a support group, and if you're in a support group, I've got no problem with a support group, but this is your support group. This is our family. Georgia helped us think about how engaged we are with it. Well, the more engaged we are with it, the more it becomes our support network, right? Um, inner strength, well, what's that? Well, I'm just going to keep thinking positive. I'm just going to be strong on the inside. No, inner strength is a relationship with God. Inner strength is a conviction that God, our Father, is with us. Watch this little video clip. Must be a morning for tears. <laughs> What's going on there? So we've got a little kid with his mum. He's in a strange place. Maybe he knows it's a bus station or train station, whatever it is, but it's not, a, it's not like home. But he's out with his mum and he's got inner strength, calm, Resilience. Why? Because she's there. In an unfamiliar context with her, he's cool. Unfamiliar context without her, he has a meltdown. He's like, oh my gosh, the world's just come to an end. I would imagine if we put the cameras in that child's home and his mum was in the proximity of the kitchen or even went out of the clothesline or was doing something out in the yard, or whatever, the child would not be having a meltdown. Not because of proximity, because of context. So you've got to think about those two things, where you're at this morning in your life, what context are you living in, and who's with you. And the thing that confuses most of us, I think in this area of resilience, is the issue of growing up. The issue of becoming an adult. I've heard people snidely say, oh, you Christians just need a crutch to stand on. That's what your faith is. You just, you got, it's like, you you need that. I don't need a crutch. It's like, well, good for you, I do. 
in effect, God's not a crutch. God is a friend. Are you saying to me you don't need friends? I bet if I had the conversation a bit beyond the crutch derogatory comment, I'd find out that they too actually appreciate friends, unless they're a psychopath or something. (laughs) So one of the difficulties for us growing up is learning to stand on our own two feet, which involves a disconnect. Bible says that a man leaves his mother and father and cleaves to his wife. There's a separation that's part of the adult deal that I think is the bit that gets us caught up in knots. So a child's sense of well-being is grounded in knowing that they're in the proximity to a parent, caregiver or whatever, and, but we grow up and, don't we, we, we disconnect. So I want you to think about your, adult, your journey into adulthood. How did the disconnect go for you, for those of you that have maybe left home, the home you were brought up in, no matter how old you are? in some respects, as far as age. How did the disconnect go? Who drove it? Who actually instigated it? There's that movie called Failure to Launch. It's kind of like anybody here trying to drive a 30-year-old of the house still, just, you know, come and talk to me, I'll tell you how to do it. <laughs> Got rid of ours all before 30, no problem. They still come home and eat us out of house and home, which we love, but that's all good. <clears throat> This is, this is truly something to reflect on, maybe more after this meeting during this week. Was the disconnect from being a child to an adult healthy? By that I mean, or was it contrasting that dysfunctional? Was it chosen or forced on you? All those things and a whole lot of others, not, that's not an exhaustive list. A whole bunch of variables are going to have an impact on you as an adult in the arena of resilience. And if you're a parent with resilience issues or dysfunction or incompleteness, it's going to be hard work teaching your kids to be resilient. And I would want to put to you that it's one of the most important things you can teach your kids besides finding Jesus um, is how to be emotionally resilient. That is, whatever turns up in life and stuff happens, right? Tough times come, difficulties, challenges, seasons, breakthroughs, joys, phenomenal success. Those things can all shipwreck a life equally. Great success can be as destructive as as, um, a season of complete and utter wipeout if we actually aren't resilient emotionally to balance where it's supposed to land in our life. So let me personalise the, the, the reference that I got from that, the Australian government website. So resilience is my ability. Say my. my. So my emotional resilience is kind of up to me and yours is up to you. Um, but having said that, you can help me and I can help you. We can help each other to become more emotionally resilient. Um, so I want to reiterate, my ability to cope with tough times by applying inner strength and engaging the support networks, already said that. Resilience can, uh, can, can not only enable me to face difficult situations, this is an interesting thought they've got, but often provides an opportunity to further develop my coping skills. In other words, tough times aren't the end of the world. In other words, an emotionally challenging season in life is not meant to wipe us out, but it might be meant to grow us up or strengthen us, make us a more 
strangely enough, Brazilian person, somebody who's kind of like working out at the gym. It's like get a big hit at the gym, try to do something that's too much for you, and you'll, you'll strain a muscle, you'll hurt yourself. But you can work up to that. And maybe, just maybe, I need to stand back, you need to stand back, we need to stand back from some big challenges and go, well, I think God's been working behind the scenes to actually strengthen me to handle this. Not, oh, what am I going to do? It's like, this is the end of the world. Don't ever say that. It's not the end of the world. God's got this, right? By myself, it would be the end of the world, but with God, it's not. So for me as an adult, inner strength is sourced in knowing who I'm standing near. Like the little boy in that picture, he's cool when his mum's nearby. No problem whatsoever. I'm wondering whether I have been intimidated or been lied to by the enemy to believe this statement, God's not with you. Or God's actually stepped away from you today, Bruce, because he's not happy with you. And so I'm facing an emotionally challenging season in my life, whatever that might be. If I've bought into any of that bollocks that God's not with me, because he is with me, the Bible says clearly, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's a promise. That means you can rock solid to say, no matter what you're standing looking at down the barrel of this morning in your life, you've got the God of heaven and earth standing alongside you, along behind you. He's got your back. He's got you covered. He's in you. It's like, I am not facing a difficulty by myself. That little boy is strong in that station when he's got his mum with him. Every one of us as children of God, those of us here that are already saved, those of us that are already in Christ, have got the King of heaven and earth living in us. Therefore, we can have emotional fortitude and strength. That doesn't mean we always get it right. It doesn't mean that we can't, and I'm not saying by any stretch. If you're struggling at the moment with a mental health issue, a resilience issue, with a depression, anxiety issue, I am not saying that's wrong or you just snap your fingers and fix it up. But I want to ask you this question. How close is God to you today? Because he will draw near to you if you draw near to him. It's like That's just the Bible. The Bible says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Is it possible, no matter what the cyclone that might be going on inside your head right now this morning, if you stopped and said, you know what, I'm going to stand on faith and I'm going to move near to God right now. So God, I'm moving closer. And would that change something? I don't know, but I reckon it's a good idea. Because God's word is true. Amen? Some of us have got evidence that it's not true. Our anecdotal evidence is I prayed, I talked to God, nothing happened. Therefore, the Bible's not true. That seems logical. Only problem is it's wrong. The Bible is true. Just because that happened doesn't mean that cause and effect there is not connected to my understanding of my circumstances. My God is an awesome God. Deuteronomy 31, verse 8, and it's kind of re- it's requited in Hebrews 13, 5. The Lord, he is the one who goes before you. You've got to love that. It's like coming around the corner into a season of life that you didn't expect. That scripture says to me, the Lord himself goes before you and be, will be with you. I come around the corner to, whoa, didn't see that coming. God's already been around the corner and seen it coming and got the answer for you to get through that little surprise, whatever it might be. It's like resilience 
is not a matter of, oh, I've just got a bit of positive thinking to do. I'm just going to have to get into a positive thinking support network group and think more positively. That could help you. But what it won't do is set you up with God. That can only happen when you invite him into your life. And at the end of the service today, Tegan's going to ask you to do that. Just told her what she's going to do. (laughs) Because what's on her as a testimony this morning has also got an anointing on it. And the anointing's the kind of like the flow of God out of heaven into a circumstance. So as we come towards the end of our meeting this morning, when I asked Tegan to come up and join me on stage, she's going to ask you to think about how close God is to you. In fact, I'm going to feed the lines to her. She's actually going to possibly even ask, are you actually lost? She may not because the word's still got a bit of baggage, but it's okay. Um, but I'm not going to steal all that. When she says it, there'll be something on it. Yes. And if you're searching for God this morning, listen up to her because she, she will say something some way in a particular phraseology that I'd never use. They could just go, you just go, oh, got me. That'll be God. On your door. Going to be an awesome moment for somebody. Amen? Oh, yeah, come on. The Lord goes before you. That's good news, right? Don't be thinking, oh, there's some big surprises coming up the road for us. For example, we got prophesied over, some of you know this, at conference we for last about um, a third church location. For me, I'm like, oh, whoa, didn't see that coming. But God's gone before us. If God's in it, he, and I believe he is, he's got all of the parameters down the road, wherever that is and whenever it is and however it is, he's got all of those parameters and variables just sort of arranging the pieces. He's gone before us. Before you sat down in your seat this morning, before you got out of bed, God had already prepared this place for us. He knew before you got here, before you maybe even choose to come here this morning, he knew you would be here. He's a God who's timeless. He's, he's got no, his past, present and future is like, he's got the whole timeline at his disposal. Nothing surprises him. So why on earth do we think, I'd be better off without him? I can do this myself. I don't need anybody. I don't need that faith stuff. I don't need that God stuff. I'd, I've been brought up to be tough. My dad taught me to be tough. I don't cry when I cut myself, beat myself with a hammer. It's like, yeah, come on, best you've got. Got just about ripping, ripping one of my knuckles off, building a cardboard a few weeks ago. Big steel thing went up into it, and blood and guts everywhere. It's like, I'm tough. <laughs> I went inside and found a band aid, and thought that'll do. I showed Julie a little later on. I thought, yeah, it might need to be stitched. It didn't. I just. Anyway, I digress. It's like, I don't know what was drummed into you, but I've got to the age of 60. And I do spend time thinking about what was drummed into me. What it is, what, if any, specific phrases or statements were repeatedly said to you at home or at school amongst the network of friends that you had that's actually shipwrecked your resilience? Maybe not intended, maybe not malicious, but just conversational. And all of a sudden there's this, there's this lack of resilience on the inside of your heart through, in some respects, no fault of your own. I got good news. God can plug up the gap. 
God can step into that void. God can step into your world and stand with you. As I've already said, like that mum in that video. That's what God desires to do with you and me. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. Those statements are all linked around the issue of connection with God. So I want to say this little statement. This is my, my truism for the morning. True resilience is built on connection and belonging. And I love the fact that it's actually touching on exactly what Georgia said. It's not just about belonging. It's not just about turning up. It's not just about sitting at the table. It's connecting. We have connect groups in our church. It's like, you have to go to connect group? Of course you don't. But I've got to tell you that the belonging side of life in a church like ours won't be as effective for you if there's not any connection. The connection side of it actually breeds and enlarges the sense of belonging. So true resilience is built on connection. Let's just add a little couple of clarifiers here. So that's a general statement. You can make that. That's a, that statement would apply to a person who both believes in God and someone who doesn't. For me, true resilience is built on connection with God and belonging in his family. Let me say it again. Connection with God, getting saved, giving your heart to Jesus, that's the connection with God bit. You do that by yourself. I can't do that for you. Tegan can't do that for you. No one in this room can do that for you. He did it so you could come to him. That's cool, right? Some of you are going quiet. That's good news. Okay, but then... The road to resilience, the road to strength and courage and boldness through life is belonging. And so we work hard at belonging in this family. I hope you're working with that with your kids at home. If you've got kids with you in that stage of life as parents, make sure your kids know they belong. There's things you can do that, that create a context where your children know that I belong in this family. It's not just about having the name tag in our case, Williams. We're all named the same. It's like, well, that's... But that's the deal. That's kind of an indicative dimension of belonging. This is C3 Church. Someone asks you, where do you go to church? I go to C3 Church in Handorf. It's like, I belong. We do name things because it's biblical. Adam was commanded to name all the animals. Naming things, having a name on a thing is some part of the way we identify as belonging to it. I don't mean as possession, but belonging within it. I'm excited about that. So you guys, whether you want to or not, whether you're actively trying to or not, are part of the way I have found resilience built in me. 23 years of pastoring, I have found there have been seasons that I've loved this calling of God. I was going to say job, but it's not really a job's calling. There have been seasons and sometimes protracted when I've hated every moment of it. But I know that in the middle of all of those extremes, in the journey from there to there or vice versa, God's built resilience, emotional resilience. What's he doing in your life? Jesus' whole ministry of healing deliverance included getting people back to belonging. One of the greatest travesties of Jesus' time that he dealt with. So healing blind people, healing lepers, healing paralytics, casting demons out of people. At its core, all of those miracles. 
They occurred. They're facts. They're written down in the Bible. There's other extant um, historical documents that definitely identify a guy like Jesus. We think it is Jesus. We believe it's Jesus. Was in that part of the world performing miracles, not just the biblical record. There are other historical documents that can verify that that was going on. But what he was up to was this he was getting people to understand they belong. A leper does not belong. A paralytic does not belong. A blind person, they're all considered unclean. They're on the out, they're excluded from the community, they're excluded from fellowship. They beg because nobody would touch them. So Jesus said in Luke 4.18, the Spirit of the Lord's on me because he's anointed me too. And he went out and did that, proclaimed the good news, proclaiming freedom for the prisoners. As people who are prisoned in isolation and loneliness, they don't belong or feel like they don't belong anywhere. Jesus died on the cross so you could belong. He wants you to belong in his family. The recovery of sight for the blind. That's not just blind eyes that can't see physical things. That's blind eyes of emotion and, and spirit. We, we can't see anything but darkness. He wants you to get that thing. Yeah, i got no hope. Oh, yes, there is. Blind eyes is not just the miracle of a person who's physically blind seeing. It's also the other dimensions of you and I getting vision, you and I getting hope, you and I getting encouraged. Oh, I just need God to speak to me. No, ask one of your friends in your connect group to speak to you. Ask a connect group leader what you should do. Oh, I can't see what I can't see the way forward. Ask a Christian brother or sister that's mature in God. Ask them. Maybe just maybe God might speak to you through them. Oh, but I want to hear from God. Maybe they can talk to you on behalf of God. Oh no, I've got to, it's like, well, read your Bible. Oh, I don't like doing that. How often do you read it? Oh, yeah. Listen to it in the car. Just get the word of God. Mark 10, sorry, Mark chapter 1. So the very beginning of Mark's gospel, a leper came to him in verse 40, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand. Bit of a reference to a leper in the Old Testament. Bit of an interesting little sidestep there, but we won't stop. Stretched out his hand and touched him. Jesus the holy son of the living God, by rabbinic law, was forbidden to touch a leper. But he knew that when he touched the leper, I'm not saying you're a leper, by the way, Denim, but... (laughs) Leprosy and exclusion, being not worthy of being in the fellowship of the family, Jesus just says... That ain't true. Not only can you come into the family, brother, you're healed. He restores people. He doesn't restore them so you can go, whoa, I can see, I can see, I can see, I can jump. It's like, well, that's a miracle. But what it's meant to translate into is, I belong, I belong, I belong, I belong. I've got a family. I've got people who love me. I've got people who are going to walk with me. I've got people who are going to embrace me. People who are going to help me when I'm crying. I'm going to have people who are going to rejoice with me when I'm rejoicing. I belong. I was just having a naughty thought and I won't go there. I was just, just thinking about a particular television advertising campaign at the moment about Belong that's a little... Um, anyway. <coughs> Strange thing at the end of this. This scripture is interesting. We'll, just, we'll go here. Um, 
He strict, in verse 43, Jesus strictly warned him and sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go on your way, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Jesus has got two things going on here. One is, he doesn't want to have a Justin Bieber moment in Israel for the next three years. He's just saying, like, just, I'm not here to be a celebrity. Just take your healing, shut up about it, but go and see the priest. That is, get restored yeah. to the community. Yeah. Do what's needed to mean you're absolutely, unequivocally back in. This morning, if you don't know Jesus, you're not in. Can't get any more blunt than that. You're not in. You might be sitting in this church. You might be listening to this message online. But without Christ, you're not in. He has to touch your life. He has to touch you on the shoulder. He has to say, be healed. You go, whoa, I'm feeling a whole lot better now. So not only that, the bonus, this is like the free steak knives that comes with a, uh, whatever that used to be, TV programs. Um, you just, but there's more. What do you mean there's more? I'm happy, I'm healed. No, no, there's more. What is it? You belong. Why don't we stand to our feet? Teagues, come and join me up here, please. Then a microphone. If you got a microphone, that's good. So let me just pray with you first, Teagues, because I want you to, just a little bit of explanation what I'm going to do that for. I've been preaching. I've got a particular sense of direction that God's put on this message. I don't want Tegan to come out of the blocks with a different anointing. But, hear me very, very clearly. I'm going to place my hand on her shoulder in a moment. I'm going to pray for that flow of God's purpose that's on me to get on her. And that'll happen. But what will also happen is she will put that through and filter that through who she is and how she got here. And it'll come out so differently to me. Same heart of God, same flow of the Spirit, but different words. Yeah. That, I am convinced, will touch someone's heart this morning. So Father, I just pray right now as Tegan comes to bring us to this place of response to your love for every person gathered here, that each one of us would just listen up. Lord, let the gold that's going to come out of her mouth draw somebody, maybe a number of people, closer you do to you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, I haven't given Tegan any time to prepare for this other than 10 minutes ago and no training on doing altar calls. So she's up here, absolute cold turkey. So this is going to be God. Go for it. Okay. Like, I just want to pick up on what Pastor Bruce said before is that he can't say it any more bluntly that if you're not in, you're not in. But... You're all so welcome to be in. It's not an exclusive club. It's open to everyone. And um, those words of being lost and being saved, you don't know you're lost until you're found. And you don't know that you need saving until you're saved. So I sat here in this church, a very welcome part of the family, for probably close to 12 months before I made the decision to be saved. And my feelings on that day was that my whole life there was something that had been missing 
and I found it on that day because I was designed by the Creator to be in relationship with Him. There's nothing else that could fill that gap in my life. So for anyone here who just feels like there's something missing, they don't know what it is, but there's something missing, I can tell you right now, the truth of what is missing is Jesus in your life. He stands at the door and he knocks, but you're the one that needs to open the door. If come into the family, there's room for you here. There's love for you here. There's support for you here. There's breakthrough for you here. There's there's just everything that you've been searching for can be found right here in this decision that you're making. So if that's you and you're just feeling, you know, you know if you're feeling it, you'll know if you're feeling it. Um, I just love it if you could respond by just raising your hand and um, we'll guide you in that decision and um, you'll, you'll be in the family. Straight away you'll feel it. So just if there's anyone here who's you know, feeling like, yes, I need that gap filled. There's something missing. You can just respond today. Make that choice for God. the fact that at every turn takes it's an invitation there were many many altar calls and opportunities to respond presented to you in that season before you decided and it was a journey and so I'd want to say on top of what Tegan has said this morning I know that she has been used by the Lord to just sow some seeds into lives maybe not even assembled here this morning but listening online anywhere in the world and the day where it makes sense for you to say yes to him is literally around the corner Um, and uh, who appreciates the spirit of this woman for the heart eh fantastic awesome thanks Teeks just want to um, close this morning then you might be the sort of person who's like, well, I've heard you talk about resilience and belonging and being close to God. And I've tickled those boxes. I've still got problems. How? How do I? Well, your kids will probably do more of what you do than what you say. So if resilience is something you want built into your kids, work on your own in other words how do I do this draw near to God how do I do this never speak badly of the family you ever you ever had a conversation with a family member that you thought was on your side about a family member and you're not in the family you talk about their family someone else like a brother or sister it's a perilous conversation it's edging on gossip 
But I got to tell you, if you have a little bit of a negative conversation with somebody about their brother or sister, it normally ends badly. Even if that brother and sister or brother and brother or sister and sister are loggerheads, you're the outsider, right? That's kind of the dynamic here. Speak well. You want your kids to hear you talking well about people in church. But not just people in church. You want to, you want to speak well about people in authority, their teachers, police officers. Even when you don't agree with the way the laws are formulated, you can have all sorts of... Just teach your kids. We respect authority in this family. Just teach your kids you're okay. Think about the last catastrophe that happened in your home. What do your kids see? You can change that. Show them how to be resilient. That does involve being connected. Let me pray to close this morning. Heavenly Father, we're just so thankful for your word. I pray, Lord, that each one of us, especially those that have got young kids, right through the teenage years, will let the wisdom of the book of Proverbs guide our path. We'd find truths in there that just light up the path for us as parents. Pray for any parent that's feeling inadequate or challenged about how they're going with parenting today, Lord, to be encouraged and strengthened. They are not doing this by themselves. Lord, we are here to be with them, to journey with them, to help them in practical ways, however we can and whenever we can. So I pray, Lord, that together we would march on into our great future with a great sense of emotional resilience and strength grounded in faith in Christ and belonging together in the family. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give the Lord a clap offering this morning. Awesome God.